Welcome to Inside the Director's Circle. I'm Jason Lanker-Brown, your host, founder of the Director's Circle and practicing business advisor and coaching psychologist. Over the next two episodes, we're going to focus on highly effective communication, obviously a must for any leader. In the next episode, we're going to bust some myths around this subject, but today we're going to put a spotlight on the missing link, or maybe until now, a newly created AQ or answer intelligence. Uh, as ever, we're going to have some people joining us and delighted that today our knowledge partner from the Director's Circle is Dr. Brian Klebowski, Professor at the University of Chicago and creator of AQ or Answer Intelligence. And as ever, to put a practical element to this, we've got a couple of our Director's Circle members, uh, a heavyweight, not, not literally, but from the industry of steel, Gemma Stedman, who's one of the divisional directors of the Hadley Group, one of the UK's leading manufacturers of role form products. Um, actually now a very global business and moving into new markets like modular housing. Uh, and Gemma's got a great background in l- large commercial sales leadership, so I'm sure she'll have a lot to add to the conversation. And alongside her, we've got Jacqueline Watson, Marketing Director of Henderson Loggie, one of Scotland's leading, leading accountancy and advisory firms. So before we get into this, just a very quickly, just to remind you that this is just a snapshot of what happens inside the Director's Circle. So if you want to get more involved in the community, just log on to directors-circle.com and click join the community button. So just to get into this, this conversation of highly effective communication, I think traditionally for us, you know, when we talk about communication with clients, there's always the question of questioning. There's the debate that if we ask better questions, then communication is better and deeper. That often extends into listening, um, you know, the need to, to, to listen deeply, you know, and when we get extended to that, we get into things like body language, which obviously is an extension of what we hear from people. Um, you know, and we probably then from there move into things like channels of communication and tools we can use. But I think, uh, Brian, if I bring you in at this point, if that's okay, I think you've spotted a missing link in all of this. And maybe a good place to start today is to sort of talk about, you know, what is this missing link in your perspective? What is AQ or answer intelligence? And why is it so important to leaders? Yeah, thank you, Jason. Uh, Yeah, let me introduce answer intelligence and give you an example, and then uh, we can go from there. But uh, my background's been in and out of academia. I did research on questions and published some academic papers on that. And when I was doing this research, I realized we know a lot less about answers. You know, the question side, you know, the six WH questions, open and closed questions, sales and coaching methodologies are based on questions. So I studied the answer side of the equation, published some academic research, wrote a book. And essentially, the relevance of answer intelligence is the idea that we ask questions about things we don't know. You know, questions serve many functions, but essentially, there's gaps. And when you provide an answer, you fill that gap. And that answer is influence. So just very broadly speaking, in an interview context, you can ask great questions, but it's the answers you provide that get you the job. In a sales context, um, you close the deal when you answer the proverbial question that's keeping the executive buyer up at night. So it's this idea that answers are important, and we've come up with this framework with six answers, story, metaphor, theory, concept, procedure, and action that map to different questions. And uh, that's basically what answer intelligence is. It's the idea of increasing your influence with others. So, Brian, you know, why, why is it so important to have those six different types? Because I think, you know, there's lots of conversation, you know, if I, I'll bring Gemma in in a second, but Gemma's world of sales where, you know, we talk a lot about stories and what really influences people. So, you know, should we just be focusing on stories? But you, you've got a view that actually all these different six types of answers have a, have a part to play. So how, do, how does that all fit together? Yeah, you can think about this in sales or any context. I'll give you an example in leadership. Now, imagine you're an emerging leader. 
you need to ask yourself some basic questions. What is leadership? Why is leadership important to me? How do I lead? Your, your person's reporting to you are going to answer, ask you these questions. So you need commanding answers. So for example, what is leadership to me? I could define it as a concept. I could say it's inspiring people and holding people accountable. Okay, that's a definition. I could provide a metaphor and say leadership is two ropes. When they're separate, they're strong. But when they're braided together, they're stronger. That's how I lead. Each meeting, I inspire and hold people accountable. Now, it's these kind of answers that give you command, that help someone really understand what leadership is as opposed to some diffuse understanding. Now, you take that same approach towards any conversation and any type of answer. And just to double back to sales, of course, people know that stories are important. They connect to people emotionally. But sometimes we forget about metaphors. They're simpler. They're more concise. They're also emotional. These are different answers that relate to different questions. And we need all these answers to influence others. And I suppose that links in, Brian, that, you know, actually, if you're truly listening, going back to more traditional kind of effective communication, actually knowing what question you're answering. No point telling the story, which is answering a why question, if actually people want to know exactly it is that you do or how you do it. Exactly. You know, so there's question recognition, you know, listen for the question. Oh, that's a why question. Okay, story. Oh, they're, they're implicitly or explicitly asking a how question. I need to give them a procedure or uh, an action. So it's, it's fairly simple, but th this framework and this idea of answers is not in someone's um, uh, you know, current understanding of how to communicate. So it's a, it's a, it's a gap. I, I, I love it because I think it brings it all, makes it very, very conscious. I think there's this kind of sense that traditionally we, we do, we listen deeply um, we are, ask great questions and the answer just kind of falls out. <laughs> so, which I think where we typically tend to be. So Gemma, from your perspective, I know you're fairly new to this AQ kind of subject, but yeah. just listening to Brian there and thinking about it, let's keep with the sales context for now before we widen the brief. Is there anything for you that kind of resonates there or when you look back at in your career or the people that have worked for you where maybe things could have been better, stronger, if you'd have had this kind of range of... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we, we spend you know, perhaps now reflecting back a disproportionate amount of time on the questions, you're so fixed on a question um, that sometimes because you're already thinking about the next question, you, you, you miss the opportunity. And I think from a sales perspective versus a leadership perspective, it's very different. Now I find myself in this situation. If you're in sales, you're kind of, um, it would have been so helpful to have those triggers of, as you say, the how, you know, and then how you respond to that and how you relate to that person and how they're how you're going to make your answer resonate with them to lead on to something else. It would have been so helpful. And I think also then from a leadership when you're leading a team of people that are very different and they respond very differently and, you know, having the ability to use some of the tools, you know, the metaphor will resonate more with some than others. The story, the procedure, you know, you think of a cross-functional team. Individually, they're completely different people, you know. So n knowing how to use the model to really get the point across to that person who's going to pick it up and run with it, so valuable. I think, Gemma, you've, you've really landed on something that really resonated with me when I read uh, Brian's book and, and I've started to study this. And Brian, maybe bring you back in here, is that we tend to have a style. So some people love telling stories. Some people, you know, I'm married to somebody that just loves metaphors. Um, <laughs> but of course, we all we all kind of respond to different types of communication. Could you expand on that, that element of it, the style element? I think that, that would be really yeah, interesting. Yeah, I can. And I can sort of 
touch on Jacqueline's world a little bit, sort of accounting and finance. Uh, in the book, there's an interview AQ chapter, and I coached one of my former students uh, for, to get a job. And she applied for and got a job at a big four accounting firm. And they told her she was one of the, the best communicators they've ever seen, best candidates. Truth was, she was an outstanding candidate, and AQ, I think, helped her. But one of the things she did was something we call high AQ practice for answer with style. So you, you, you try to understand the style of the other person. And regardless of the questions being asked at a higher base rate, you provide those type of answers. So if someone's relational and they like stories and metaphors, feed them that. If they're analytical, give them you know theories and concepts. If they're practical, give them procedures and actions. So she profiled the individuals she was communicating with, and that helped to ingratiate her with those persons. So that's sort of an example of um, what uh, Gemma was just talking about, and uh, I guess connecting a little bit to Jacqueline's world. Yeah. So Jacqueline, from your perspective, anything for you, you know, as, as a marketeer mm -hmm. uh, and the marketing director at Henderson Loggy, anything for you that this resonates with where, you know, you could see this being a much more um, useful way to engage a market, engage prospective clients, mm -hmm. or even maybe just to get your brand out there in a more powerful way? Yeah, I mean, there are probably two aspects of it. I think it really resonates with me, um, you know, about that kind of profiling of people um, and, you know, in a kind of leadership role myself, I guess that's kind of been my default is trying to profile people and then how I respond. So I've, I've, I've kind of just intuitively tried to develop that over the years um, and but actually having a model is so powerful because that's so helpful. It would fast track you to be able to do that without having to try and work it out from your intuition, from, you know, just from what you've learned from others. Um, so I think that, you know, I think if I had had that model early on in my career, I think that would have been so helpful and so powerful to me as, a, as an individual. Um, but I think on the, the marketing and, and sales side, again, I think it could be really powerful for us because we, um, we what we do is a big, large part of our, our marketing um, is around obsessing over the questions that our clients ask. And, and also from a marketing perspective, we obsess over what answers are the best answers that we can provide to that question. Um, because we, we realised um, a few years ago that there are so many questions that the effectively our, our sales team, our fee earners, were uh, answering on a regular basis. You know, <clears throat> hundreds and maybe thousands of hours of fee earner time would be lost answering the same question over and over and over. And as a team, we have to try and we have to try and capture that uh, that that question that's been asked and the answer. Um, and, and be able to use that as part of our marketing so that people can understand what we do. They can get the answers to their questions much e earlier on in the sales journey. Um, but again, mapping it out, because I think part of what was really resonating with me is that, again, it's been a bit of a default. OK, there's a how question, but we must have a process then. So that's that's how, you know, that's how we are hearing that that question is answered the best. But it's just been through a process of trial and error, as opposed to actually having a formula for it, which I think is extremely powerful. Yeah, and, and 
Brian, yeah, you were going to come in on that. Yeah, just just echoing that. So two examples, one in sales, one in marketing. So if you're a sales organization, challenge yourself. Can you communicate your value proposition to six answers? Very simple exercise. And I've done this and basically huge gaps, right? You know, we have one or two stories, maybe nothing on metaphors. So that's one idea. Second, related to marketing, just did a, a project with a, a global pharma organization and uh, they developed you know, personas for sales to use. But the last mile is conversations. The personas are only effective if you have the questions and answers to engage them in that last mile of communication. So I, you know, totally agree, you know, with what Jacqueline's talking about here that, uh, you know, it's, it's questions and answers. And I'll also say effective communicators are doing this. This just gives you a framework to sharpen if you're effective. And then if someone's not effective or less skilled than you are, it gives you a framework to really lean into and to upskill. Yeah, absolutely. I think just adding to that, Brian, because when, when Jacqueline was talking, I think what a couple of things jumped out to me that you talk about in your book is taking a how question and answering it in two different ways. It's either emotional or very analytical. That can, you know, if you're putting that answer out in two different, you're going to, you're going to kind of connect with people, different people more readily. And I think the probably one more question for you, Brian, is, uh, if you know, if we're trying to reach out to people we don't know because we don't know who they are, you know, and I think you may have answered this with your your value proposition uh, point. Is it okay to kind of almost put you know cover all six answers as you put stuff out there on the basis that you know something will resonate with everybody? Do you have a, do you have a view on that? Yeah, I think a couple things. Um, one, you want to try to listen for the question someone's asking implicitly or explicitly, and then you can use meta language. Oh, would you like me to tell you a story? And they're going to say yes or no. And you can, you know, you can sort of follow their lead or you, you follow and pick up. If you told a, a procedural answer to a how question and they gave you nonverbals like, hmm, you know, they're wincing, you know, or some that didn't really connect, then that's probably not the right answer type. So it's not as difficult as you think to just sort of pick on, up on what people want. Um, a little bit more difficult is in a large group setting. If you're in a large group, or say you're doing marketing and you you can't uh, necessarily know who you're who's going to be reading something on your website, then you want to cover more answers. So typically in a larger group setting, you might want to sample across different answer types. You might have your emphasis maybe on story, but you still want to touch on them all to sort of connect to all those different individuals and all the different questions they may have. Yeah, and I think you know one of the things you said there I think really resonates that this still this is a missing link. It still needs to be connected to. To good listening, deep listening, reading body language. You know, you don't want to take this in isolation away from the traditional forms of communication. Yeah, you know, give you a tip. You know, going back to the the eighties uh, and seventies, sports psychology started to focus on. Um, you know, with you know, started to come to fore in sports. And imagine in tennis, the ball comes over the net. When it hits the ground, you you say to yourself in your head, "Bounce." When it hits the racket, you say, "Racket." And that's how you're mindful playing tennis. Do the same thing when you're communicating. Listen for a question, implicit or explicit, and say to yourself, that's a how question. And be ready to provide a procedure and action. And it's about actively listening is being engaged with that conversation. Fantastic. Yeah, I think that's a great tip. And we, we need to start wrapping up today because we try and keep these quite bite-sized. But Gemma, can I just come back to you? At, and at, more as a leader now, you know, you're, you're leading a fairly big organization now. How has this kind of changed the way you think about communication as a leader? Yeah, I'll, 
to be fair, I just want to offer a comment on the sales side as well, because it was something that I was thinking about, and then I'll come on to the leadership one, if if I may. I was thinking as you were talking, Brian, about um, in a group setting, and for, for me, this could be such an effective thing to use as a tag team together, because quite often in more traditional settings, somebody's leading and then the other colleagues reading the room watching the body language trying to get the next question ready or you know funnel it in a certain way and i was just sitting back thinking when you were talking about imagine you were tag team with your partner typically bigger seals um you know high stake meetings involve multiple people across multiple functions and it was just making me think that actually it would be so effective if your partner is reading the room going procedural i'll respond high you get the time to, to take the moment to then get the answer ready it could be so powerful absolutely you know in that sales environment from a leadership point of view it's a little bit what i mentioned earlier i i think this will be very valuable because when you're trying to lead the functional heads, they're really different characters and they respond in such different ways. And, you know, I, I genuinely do try with metaphors and um, I don't think they're always the best, if I'm honest, uh, but you do try because you assume that there's going to be that, you know, um, people are going to relate to it and respond. And But sometimes particularly if you're dealing with somebody you know maybe more operational who's much more procedural they they sometimes don't they don't always get it do they they don't respond in the way that you want them to and if anything they don't think you get it and therefore there's a little bit of "Mm, we're not kind of on the same journey here together so i think we could really use this to tap into you know um the leaders you know, which in reality have to move in the same direction, but from a very different perspective, you know, yeah, from I a think, very different think, role. Yeah, because I think you're right. It's like that, you know, you want rapport, don't you? And if you're, if you're misfiring you're on style, you don't get rapport. And that's probably yeah. another bigger part of this conversation for another day. I, I loved your point, though, um, around the sales tag team. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I know myself, you know, I've got a colleague who's a great storyteller, you know, yeah. and I've got someone else in our team who's a great metaphor person to actually say, look, you're the storyteller. So when that story question comes up, you need to jump in because you're going to nail that. And I'll do the theory because I'm the boring one, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love that. In a, in a world where everybody has information at the touch of their hands, you have to be, we have to be smarter. We have to find a way to move it forward faster. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, it's quite exciting, I think. Thanks, Gemma. Okay, well, we did, look, we need to wrap up today, but maybe we'll just finish off just, just with... Um, from you, Brian, maybe just a quick, um, where can people start with AQ? Uh, maybe Jacqueline, Gemma, maybe just one thing that you think, you know, for you, you're going to go away and do that you think will really accelerate your journey with AQ from, from a leadership perspective. Brian, maybe start yeah. with you. For more information, you can go to raiseyouraq.com. And I encourage you to take a the free Explore AQ assessment. It's a short test to get your AQ score and a 10-page PDF report. That's great. Thanks, Brian. Jacqueline, one thing for you that you think you could take and really yeah. your leadership? I mean, I, I think we can revisit all of our marketing material and look at, look at it and thinking, are we actually answering this in the in the the most effective way? Um, uh, and I, I think there's probably a, quite a bit of refinement that we could do um, on those to 
uh, and maybe a little bit of a mixture, as you say. I think we could also do a bit of that A-B testing on a few things and just to see what, what starts to, to resonate with different audiences. I think that would be really interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually quite excited about this. This, is, this could be a really powerful tool for us. Thanks, Jacqueline. Gemma, can you be your last word today? Uh, I think for me, um, I would probably start with maybe introducing it to the sales team. I think, you know, it's refreshing to have something um, that it's, it's, it's refreshing to have something that clearly addresses a gap. We've spent so much time talking about open questions, leading questions and all that, you know, which is which yeah. is valuable stuff. But, you know, uh, you know, I'm thinking about your video. Are you ready for the answer when you're asked the question? The reality is sometimes the answers are not that good. You know, and that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, no point having the qu- no point getting the question if you don't know how to how to respond to it. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Thanks, Gemma. Well, thank you because I'm not going to try and I think some really great points today. Sometimes I pull out one or two kind of think highlight threads, but I think there are many, many good threads in there today. But maybe what I'll say, having become a bit of a student of Brian's now, is that you know we've talked a bit about sales and leadership today, but there's some really great applications on this around coaching, around recruitment and interviewing that Brian mentioned. They're all in his book, so I, I would certainly recommend the book. It's a great read Um, but thank you again to all our guests thank you Jacqueline thank you Gemma thank you Brian Um, in our next episode we are going to continue this conversation on highly effective communication we're going to try and bust a few myths around around the subject Um, but if you want more on this subject as Brian said jump on his uh, on his website uh, or or pick up his book um, or you can reach out to one of our knowledge partners Lucid who are one of the uh, practitioners of AQ in the UK at lucid-group.com but in the meantime thank you for listening to Inside the Director's Circle